It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or The Griggs B. Let's get into the action. And good morning, everybody in the Auburn Opelika area. My name is Griggs Blankenberg. Alongside me today, special guest, Noah Phillips. Noah Filling in for Daniel. Unfortunately, if you follow Daniel on Twitter, you should if you feel so inclined. Uh, he's a little bit under the weather today, so he's missing his first ever Eagles nest since he's the one who started the show before me. But, no, we're happy to have you here today, though. And I'm happy to be here, too. I'm sitting here with my Patrick gift with my hands going back and forth. Man, I'm ready. It's going to be a fun one here today, Griggs. It's going to be a good show. we got a lot in store for you guys today in our two-hour show. Reminder, we are 11-1 to 1 now. In the past, we were 10 to new a little bit longer for y'all a little bit more of that lunchtime action but let's just go ahead and get right into it first off last night auburn basketball took on the lsu tigers that final score is auburn 67 lsu 49 leading scorer in this game was lsu's uh kj williams he had 16 points and the leading rebounder was also kj williams and leading assist man was auburn's wendell green jr Auburn would win this game scoring 32 points in the first half, 35 in the second, uh, better than LSU's 21 in the first half and 28 in the second. So, no, this is a big win for the Tigers, mainly just because they need that confidence when they go on the road, which for this team, that's been kind of their struggle this past couple of years, has been playing against road on the road against these teams. Yeah, and when you leave an atmosphere like Neville Arena, it's really hard to adjust anywhere in the SEC. It's... Uh, such a hard place to play. Obviously, this league that we have, or this conference, excuse me, is always going to be a packed house. And when you're able to go into an atmosphere like LSU, you know, it's Death Valley. I know that's the football one, but I'm sure basketball has another name that I don't know. But in my eyes, it's still Death Valley. And you can go in there and force LSU to not make a single field goal in the last six uh, six minutes and 30 seconds of the game. That's going to give you a lot of momentum going into the rest of the season. Looking at the box score, really, for the Tigers, um, uh, the leading scorer for the Tigers was, again, Jalen Williams, tied with Wendell Green with both had 14 points. Uh, eight points for Allen Flanagan, five for Zepp Jasper, four for Janai Broom. That's what the starters are looking like. Leading scorer off the bench was Katie Johnson, who who's needed really a breakout game. We're still waiting for that Katie Johnson breakout game to see where that electric score can come in, kind of what it was last year. Where It's a different thing this year. Like last year, Wendell Green was, coming, was our sixth man. Now it's kind of Katie Johnson, so... Taking a little bit of time to adjust to that. And then also with eight points was Leor Berman, the walk-on uh, from uh, Mountain Brook, Alabama. Eight points, 17 minutes, three for four shooting, one for two behind the arc, and one for one at the stripe. And I got to hand it again right here to Katie Johnson. Uh, tied for best plus-minus margin of the game with Jalen Williams. Both of those guys have really been putting in work, uh, putting in 20, or excuse me, yeah, 22 minutes of work for Katie Johnson. He's we're still waiting for that big, you know, six-man takeover game, but I think that can come with the amount of games we have left on the schedule, and it's something that is going to be needed, you know, down the stretch in March or even in the SEC championship up in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And Auburn didn't really get to the free throw line all that much. It's what they've been able to do well in the past couple of games, what they struggled with at the beginning of the year a little bit. They didn't get to the they got to, didn't get to the line too much last night. Went seven of eleven. Uh, person who got to the line the most was Window Green. He went three for three from the line. But it's really important that the Tigers can find a way to get to the stripe when they're playing those more physical teams. Like, let's look at the Mississippi State game for Auburn um, on that box score. They were 20, uh, 
they were 10 for 13 from the line when they gave up Mississippi State went 21 to 28 from the line. Yeah, and it's a lot harder to get those calls on the road. But when you look at the Mississippi State game, in, going into the final three minutes of that game, Auburn only had five free throw attempts, which some of that was the referees. And, of course, them and Mississippi State only combined for zero uh, free throw attempts in the first half. So that one was just one of the crazier uh, ref games I've ever seen in my life. I think Bruce Pearl even came because I was covered that game. Came into the post game press conference and said, uh, "We're just going to take questions today because I don't know how to describe what just happened." Yeah, let's go ahead and transition over to that good win for the Tigers last night over the Tigers of LSU. Uh, back in Neville Arena, this was on Saturday. Mississippi State were defeated by the Auburn Tigers, sixty three sixty nine. Auburn's leading the leading scorer in this one was Jalen Williams for Auburn with twenty one points. Leading rebounder was Mississippi State's Tulu Smith with 10, and the leading assist man was Mississippi State's Deshaun Davis. Uh, the interesting stat in this one is Mississippi State did not score a single three-pointer in the entire game. They went 0 for 18 from the three-point line. They were 37.5% everywhere else on the field. Which is insane to see in today's uh, basketball landscape. The fact that they were even able to keep it close without making a uh, shot from beyond the arc is insane to me. And some of that is the great perimeter defense that Auburn has been able to implement. Yeah, and then you look at it like that. The way they were able to score really was getting to the free throw line, kind of like we were saying with the refs, shooting 28 free throws, 21 of them going in. So that's kind of the way they were able to stick in this one. But that was a very physical Mississippi State team who is capable of maybe some shocking stuff later in the year through this SEC. Because top to bottom in the SEC, it's not there's no easy nights off really, I don't think. No, everybody's good this year. And I think it's going to be that way for a long way to come. You know, even Vanderbilt, you know, they can get out there and they can put 60 on you and make you work for it. Right now the standings in the SEC go are as follows. This is by conference record only. Leading the way, tied for first. Or right now the Alabama Crimson Tide are 6-0 and in conference, followed by A&M, who are 5-0. and And then Auburn and Tennessee are tied at 5-1. and Georgia's at 3-2. and And there's a three-way tie for three and three with Missouri, Kentucky, and Florida. Vanderbilt is two and three. One and four are the South Carolina Gamecocks. And then all the way down, the last four are one and five, LSU, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. And Auburn has got his work uh, cut out for it in there. You know, we're tied with Tennessee right now. We still got to play those big teams like Tennessee and Alabama later on in this year. And, of course, we do travel to Tennessee, right? Yes. That we travel to Tennessee On the uh, fourth of um, – February and it's going to be hard to win those games in Knoxville and in Tuscaloosa we got to be able to get fouls and just play physical ball with them that those these last three games I've talked about with Daniel already the last three games on Auburn's schedule are crazy hard for the for this year on the February 25th they travel to Rupp Arena on March 1st at 6 p.m. they play at um, Alabama and then they're home on for the season the regular season finale against the Tennessee Volunteers so right now you're a Kentucky team who's maybe finding their way a little bit more now uh, than Alabama, who's probably one of the best teams in the country, and then followed by Tennessee, who also has the potential to be one of the best teams in the country. I think Calipari is about to just pull out all the stops. He sees what the fan base thinks of him right now, and by the end of the season, by that February 25th mark, we're going to see an entirely new Kentucky team in Lexington. And speaking of that, it's just crazy thing that like college basketball is so weird like that. Like You had South Carolina, who was – not that good of a team this year, beat Kentucky on the road. They're, they're 
one and four in their last five games, and that one win is over Kentucky. They lost to Tennessee eighty-five to forty-two, and then they went into Rupp Arena and beat the Kentucky Wildcats seventy-one sixty-eight. All sports are crazy, man. If you follow sports for long enough, people are going to win and lose the days you don't expect it. Even looking at the ACC, even looking at uh, look at Duke. They're not ranked this year. They're going up against Miami on Saturday, and Miami's ranked 17th, which is something, as a Miami fan, we didn't think <laughs> we were going to see. And Duke, without Coach K, has been struggling a lot. Mm-hmm, they have been. Transitioning over to South Carolina, that is who the Tigers face this weekend on at, on the SEC Network, 2.30 p.m. Central, 3.30 Eastern. That will be the same time in Columbia. At Colonial Life Arena, the number 16 Auburn Tigers taking on the South Carolina Gamecocks, 8-10 and 10 this year. They are 6-3 uh, and three at home, though, so they've been a little bit better at home. I think they've only – their last three home uh, – Four of their last mat, four of their last three matches have been at home. Those have been the three losses over to Tennessee, A and M, and Miss uh, Ole Miss. So this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, the ESPN matchup predictor is favoring Auburn at ninety two point eight percent. And of course, Auburn is currently on a five game win streak against the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, the last win coming eighty two seventy one in Auburn or Neville. No, it would have been Auburn Arena back then. I think it would have right? been Neville. I think it would have already changed, right? Uh, it doesn't matter. That mm-hmm. Coliseum over there that holds 9,000-whatever people on uh, March fifth, two 2022. Yeah, that's when the Tigers clinched the regular season SEC title last year. But interesting one to work out for in this one is G.G. Jackson, the second South Carolina's forward, who was the number one prospect in the class of 2023, or the class of 2022, really, in terms of some of these recruiting rankings. He is the leading scorer and the rebounder for the Gamecocks, who – Originally, if you don't know his story, he was committed to go to UNC Chapel Hill, decommitted from there, and is now at South Carolina under first-year coach Lamont Paris. So you never know really what you're going to get because they had Eastern Michigan play there a couple weeks ago, and they were that was an interesting matchup between Gigi Jackson and, and Imani Bates. Yeah, and South Carolina is, you know, a good place for athletes. You know, they call them the USC of the uh, East for a reason. You know, they, they take a lot of pride in all their – athletic systems and getting top recruits like that is something that I think South Carolina can expect. And yeah, I mean, this is again, reminder, this is a team that is five, six years removed from the final four, 2017, they made the final four. Yeah. So this is still a team that still has uh, remote success. That's being, that can be attained. It's just, again, new, new first year head coach. You got to figure out these pieces. I mean, obviously probably not Gigi Jackson's probably not going to come back next year. I imagine no. he'll be going to the NBA draft. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one for the Tigers. Again, 2.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. I will be there. That'll be a fun game. I'll be there with my friend, um, me and Daniel's friend, Connor. So that'll be a fun one. That'll be a fun day trip That going down to going up to going up to Columbia. I usually say going down for a lot of those things. But, you know, going north to so, – oh, that's weird. Going north to South Carolina. Now you, think, now you say that, yeah, it's kind of weird saying that like that. You can get tickets for twenty four dollars each. You can get tickets for twenty four dollars each. This is one of the. I think there are they're like kind of like Auburn's kind of promoting this right now. It's like the one of the cheapest tickets left to see Auburn play. I imagine that would be true looking at their schedule. I mean, you can sit at half court, like you know, in the lower bowl for eighty one, which is about what standing room only is in the arena. That's that is a very good point, Noah. But yeah. Good times for the Tigers basketball program right now. After that loss to Georgia, they're 
they're finding their way more as a team, it seems more and more likely. And Jalen Williams is starting to become the favorite to be the Auburn's player of the year, in my opinion. He is. And again, in that Mississippi State game, uh, of course, with all those points, he did have a plus minus of 10, which was the team leader. So he's getting things done both on offense and defense, which is what I like to see. That is going to do it for our talk on the Auburn Tigers basketball program. When we come back, we're looking at college basketball to whole. As we've already said earlier, it's been a crazy year in college basketball. We're going to get you filled up and filled in on the data when we come back. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1. And welcome back into the Bradley Basin studio inside the Milton Student Center. This is the Eagles Nest. I know you probably haven't heard my voice before. Unless you're a long-time listener, my name is Noah Phillips. I'm being joined by Griggs Blankenberg, the reg- one of the regular hosts of this show. Right now I'm just here to cause chaos on <laughs> this beautiful Thursday morning still. About to be afternoon. About to be afternoon, yes. But Noah, Noah's a big part here. Weagle does a lot of our sports live sports broadcasts, and he's also the co-host of Smooth Operators with myself and our good friend Ben McClurk, and that is 1 p.m. every single Friday. So got nothing else going on. If you're free, feel if you feel so inclined, come ahead and check us out on the on the live airwaves like we are right now on ninety one point one FM Weagle, or you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. We would love to have you there. But back to the all sports talk, not just F one. Let's get into the, real sport. Let's get into the world of more college basketball. Let's go through the rankings real quickly in the AP top twenty five. At in first place, I believe the second week in a row, it is the Houston Cougars. They are sitting at 17-1, and one, followed by the Kansas Jayhawks, who are 16-1, and one, and the Purdue Boilermakers, who are 16-1 and one as well. Fourth place are the Alabama Crimson Tide. Fifth are the UCLA Bruins. Sixth are the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Seventh, the Texas Longhorns. Eighth, Xavier Musketeers. Ninth, Tennessee Volunteers. Tenth. Virginia Cavaliers, number 11 are the Arizona Wildcats, number 12 the Iowa State Cyclones, number 13 the Kansas State Wildcats, number 14 the TCU Horn Frogs, number 15 the Yukon Huskies, number 16 the Auburn Tigers, number 17 the Miami Hurricanes, number 18 the Charleston Cougars, number 19 the Clemson Tigers, number 20 the Marquette Golden Eagles, number 21, the Baylor Bears, number 22, Providence Friars, number 23, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, number 24, the Florida Atlantic Owls, and number 25th are the Arkansas Razorbacks. That is your top 25 here today on the Eagles Nest. Yep, and we got some notable teams receiving votes. NC State, St. Mary's, uh, Arizona State, uh, Michigan State, and Duke all still receiving votes, as well as Texas A&M. We've got five votes. Yeah, Texas A&M is one of the top uh, is at the top of the conference right now. They're just one game behind Bama since they played one less game in conference. They, just, they just need a big run. St. Mary's is good, but I feel like they're just trying to get them in the top 25 so they can say Gonzaga has played a ranked team in conference because that's the yeah. only team they ever play that's ranked in conference. Yeah, It feels like. But, yeah, that Arkansas, Arkansas is going to drop out, no question about it, after last night's loss to Missouri. Uh, Missouri will probably get – either close to getting ranked again or just right getting ranked at 25. Um, Clemson lost to Wake Forest here tonight. They're not going to be ranked again probably. UConn lost again, I believe, last night. I think they're on a little bit of a skid right now. Yes, they lost 67-66 to the Seton Hall Pirates, coached by Shaheen Holloway, the coach of St. Peter's last year's March Madness Cinderella team. They're going to probably get bumped down a little bit. Um 
Iowa, um, Kansas this weekend plays, I believe, Iowa State. Yeah, that's on our uh, who you got for later. Yeah, can no Kansas plays TCU, so one of those teams is going to go down a little bit. Um, yeah, so right now it's just crazy. A lot of these rank the ranked matchups are kind of just mixing up the board in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and by the time March rolls around, you know it's going to be a whole, almost a whole different set of top twenty-five. Because you know college basketball is probably the one sport where everything can change on a dime. Mm-hmm. Everything can you can drop out, drop back in. Um, Arkansas uh, is, of course, probably going to drop out. And they're probably going to be kept out for a while. I, I don't know, but I'm real worried about Muscle Man's collection down there. And they ha- they have just gotten a lot of injuries. But then again, like, yeah, they need a big win to probably get back into the top 25 after starting 1-5 and five in conference. So, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, taking a look real quick at the bracketology, never too early to look at some bracketology. Uh, we have uh, this was p- produced by Joe Lenardi of ESPN. This was from, uh, I believe, hold on, I'm doing math in my head, Tuesday morning. So right now, this is as of Tuesday morning. Uh, the top overall C in his bracket is the Kansas Jayhawks. First team out are the Kentucky Wildcats, and the last team in are the New Mexico Lobos. And on the bubble right now, the last four buys, he has Indiana, Wisconsin, Memphis, and Maryland. Last four in, he has the Boise State. He has Oklahoma, Penn State, and New Mexico. The first four out, two teams in the SEC are included here, are the Kentucky Wildcats, the West Virginia Mountaineers, the Northwestern Wildcats, and the Texas A&M Aggies. And the next four out are the USC Trojans, Utah State, Florida, and Virginia Tech. And New Mexico is a very uh, good team to watch on the lead up to March. They could be a team that crashes and burns or they could be a team that rises to the ashes. That's a very good team down in New Mexico. They are playing uh, teams like UNLV and all of them. Looking at the bracket real quickly, trying to show where Auburn is right now. They are hmm, – where do they go? I, remember... I don't think we're in, are we? No, we're in. No, yeah, we're in. We're in. I just got to figure out where. We've only lost three oh, games. Here, we're definitely here we in. Got we're in the east. We're going to be the sixth – seed going up against Maryland. Okay, we moved up because I remember we were seven a week ago, but yes, that would be the sixth seed. Alabama will be playing in Albany versus Maryland, and then the second round game be against UConn and Colgate. I imagine UConn's going to drop a little bit, so none of these are probably going to be the same, but yeah. And the east side of this bracket, I see three teams from the state of Alabama in here right now. Alabama would be the number one seed in the entire east side bracket. Auburn would be number six seed. And number 15 seed, the Sanford Bulldogs. Hey! out of there Represent. in Birmingham. So they will be three Alabama teams in the east side of this March Madness bracket. The other one seeds we've already said, Alabama, number one overall seed was Kansas, Purdue, and then there's also Houston. So those are your top seeds right this second in college basketball. I do expect uh, Usula to drop down a little bit. They're currently the second seed in the west. I think they'll end up becoming a four by the time March rolls around. That's just my personal prediction. It's going to be interesting to see how they finish that. I know they play um, uh, they play Arizona this weekend, so that will be a very that could be a very big game determining March March seeding because it's kind of crazy that we're talking about NBA later. Like one loss can kind of just really mess up your season, really, in college basketball, where in the NBA, oh, that was a scheduling loss. That's on a back-to-back. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and – College basketball is also, you know, you got to play every. Well, you kind of said it, you got to play every single night, but you got to play 
in a lot bigger environments than the NBA because NBA occasionally they don't have a lot of people there. And yeah, coming from a Hornets fan, yeah, I <laughs> understand that. You know, uh, college kids are a lot rowdier than adults, in my personal opinion. <laughs> but yeah, like more stuff in college basketball. Just uh, tonight, some rank v rank matchups. We have Rutgers taking on Michigan State in East Lansing. Uh, we have the College of Charleston, nineteen and one. Their only losses here coming against the North Carolina Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. They play the um, one in seventeen Monmouth Eagles, I think. That's crazy. One of them. Uh, Purdue plays Minnesota tonight in Minnesota. FAU travels to UTSA to play in San Antonio. Uh, Gonzaga is hosting who's this random team in their conference? Loyola Marymount. I think Gonzaga's home. Uh, Gonzaga has a team higher than Auburn with most consecutive home wins. Auburn has around, I think, 28. Gonzaga has around 76. So it might be a minute before if – yeah, Gonzaga is going to be holding on to that home record for a minute. Yeah. Um, then tonight also on the Pac-12 Network, USC is taking on Arizona. USC is a team, one of the three that have beaten the Auburn Tigers this year. And then following it up late night on FS1, 9.30 p.m., the UCLA Bruins taking on the um, Arizona State Sun Devils. That'll be a good match too. Yeah, that's an Arizona. That's an Arizona State team that's fifteen and three, coached by former Duke player Bobby Hurley. So that's a good team at Arizona State right now. But what is that kind of that one surprise really that you see in college basketball so far? No, since you weren't on the show last week, me and Daniel were talking about this. One surprise. Mm-hmm. Mine's got to be the weird stuff that's going down in the Mountain West, mm. with like the New Mexico Lobos. I've already kind of talked about them, but UNLV's done some big stuff. Um, I'm sure other teams have cannibalized themselves inside of that, um, whatever you call it, uh, conference. And the Mountain West has always been a weirdly good um, basketball league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so they have Boise State, who's currently 5-1. and one. Uh, San Diego State is going to be another team to watch. Uh, Utah State and Nevada. Uh, and then Fresno State's done some stuff. UNLV's currently one and five in their conference. I didn't realize that, but they had some big wins over um, some non-conference opponents, I believe. And of course, their one conference win has been over the New Mexico Lobos. It's kind of like what you're saying. Kind of like, kind of you have to win some of these games, or else they're going to come back to hurt you. Kind of like cannibalizing yourself a little bit. Yeah, like you said there, which, which is very important for all conferences. That can easily happen in. The SEC, you know. And it will probably happen in the SEC more and more, I think at least. Um, other stuff, um, my surprise, I wanna, I said Charleston last week. I'm going to pick something else this week. Um, I'm going to go Texas just because of all the stuff they've been through this year, how they're still ranked seventh in the nation. They're 15-2 and two right now. I think they won a game last night, so they're like 16-2. and two. So that's a team that's been through a lot of adversity, and they're still just – being able to just play basketball and play in a very tough Big 12. So it's a, it takes a lot to play in a conference where everyone just shoes in Kansas to be the winner every single year. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very good conference outside of, like, Oklahoma State right now because they're missing Spencer Sanders and maybe Oklahoma. All of those teams are – say Spencer Sanders? What a, oh, yeah. The quarterback for Oklahoma State? That just committed to <laughs> – yeah, that's – yeah. yeah. <laughs> Y'all know who I meant. Y'all know who I meant. You're talking about Cade Cunningham, who was there like yeah. Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago? Yeah. They're still uh, missing him over there. They, I, I'd miss him too. Hey, they 
Big 12 does have one, six uh, ranked teams right now. You got Kansas, you got Texas, you got Iowa State, you got Kansas State, you have TCU, and then you got Baylor. Yeah. So there's, yeah, that's six teams right now. That's a lot. That's going to be a very important conference to watch cannibalize itself near the end of uh, college basketball's mm-hmm. regular season going into March. Yeah, agreed. Um, just other random stuff. Um, looking at the big conferences standing wise right now, um, we got in the ACC. We have Clemson leading the way at seven and one, followed by the Miami Hurricanes at six and two, and then the Pittsburgh Panthers at six and two. That's another random sight to see. And then the Virginia Cavaliers are six and two in conference. Virginia has two. The two losses they've had were at Miami, and then they've also lost at Pitt. So. Not some great losses for the Cavaliers in conference, but Miami's starting to look like a better and better team, so that's not going to be as bad of a loss. Yeah, Miami's going to be doing some big things, and both those games are on the road mm-hmm. in very uh, high-impact places. Uh, three teams are tied in first in the Big 12. It's the Kansas State Wildcats, Kansas Jayhawks, and the Iowa State Cyclones all at 5-1. and one. Moving on to the Big 10, uh, the Purdue Boilermakers are in first place at 6-1, and one, followed by the Rucker Scarlet Knights at five and two, and the Michigan Wolverines at four and two. Moving down now to the Pac-12, we have the UCLA Bruins who are in first place, seven and zero, followed by the Arizona State Sun Devils, right behind them. Um, moving on now, where's the, oh there's the SEC. Um, the SEC, as we already said earlier in the show, Alabama is in first at six and zero, followed by A and M at five and zero, and then Auburn and Tennessee are both at five and one. Those are your big conference kind of run-throughs right there. But, yeah, with that, we're going to head to a quick break. When we come back, we're talking about another form of basketball, just a lot of basketball to start the show off today. We're talking about the NBA. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Bradley Basin Studio inside the Melton Student Center. This is the... Eagles Nest here at 11.31 a.m. We're having a great time inside the studio. My name's Noah Phillips. Joining me is Greg Blankenberg. Daniel is, of course, not with us, but hopefully he'll be back for the next one. He's just a little bit under the weather. Under the weather, yeah. In the last couple of segments, we talked about Auburn basketball, and we talked about college basketball. Now, three basketball segments in a row. I don't know if me and Daniel have ever done this. We're doing the NBA, so we're doing NBA. Let's just do a quick run through the standings real quickly. In first place are the Boston Celtics in the East with 33 and 12. Follow four games behind are the Milwaukee Bucks 29 and 16. Then the Philadelphia 76ers in third, Brooklyn Nets fourth, Cavaliers in fifth, and sixth of the Miami Heat. Then we're going into the play-in tournament teams. Number seven, the New Knicks. Number eight, the Atlanta Hawks. Number nine, the Indiana Pacers. Number ten, the Chicago Bulls. And the teams are currently outside the playoffs right now. The Toronto Raptors, Washington Wizards, Orlando Magic, Charlotte Hornets, and the Detroit Pistons. Man, let me tell you somebody's New York Knicks. <laughs> By the end of the year, they're not even going to need to play in the playoffs, son. They're going to be up there. Don't you worry about that. I mean, they're tied with Miami right now, so it's a very – and uh, I. I can't remember who was saying this on first take, but probably Stephen A. Smith. Probably no, it wasn't Stephen A. I think it was it might have been Mad Dog. I think or Chris or so. Mm-hmm. The East is like very very good right now. Yeah, we even not- like Boston, you're going to play an eight seed playing the Atlanta Hawks. You know that's going to be a great series. Not everybody can play the Orlando Magic. 
in the East. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be a very good uh, playoffs this year, and I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, especially this is the year where in the past where it's been like Western Conference has been the far and away best league. Some struggles from the some of the superstars in those leagues right now kind of just kind of dwindled their team success a little bit. But yeah, Boston currently leading away there. Milwaukee, I wouldn't be surprised if they found a way to get back up to the one spot. But then that six and seven spot between the Heat and the Knicks, I think that's going to be very very interesting as we come. We're about we're right around the halfway point of the NBA season. Yeah, we're what twenty. About twenty games from the All Star game, that about right. Yeah, All Star games in like February, I think. Yeah, so yeah, we're getting yeah. close. But yeah, Heat and Knicks right now be a interesting thing to keep an eye out for the rest of the way. Uh, also, the Bulls they can hold on to that tenth uh, playing spot over the Toronto Raptors and the Washington Wizards. So I think they can easily do it over Washington. I think them and Toronto are going to be a good thing to watch coming down to the, uh, the cutoff for the playoffs. Chicago just has to get healthy, I think. Yeah. With yeah. Lonzo Ball's got to come out. they got to have another option like that. Yeah. And they're, they're a team that has a lot of cap space, isn't it? I don't know if they have a lot of cap or money to throw around. I don't know. They gave a big deal to Zach Levine. I don't know. I don't, well, that's not really play. working out he, too well. He, yeah, that's true, but still. They, they just don't, I don't think they have, a, like, a big man kind of, you know, like a real defensive anchor. Mm-hmm. That's what they need. Yeah, moving on to the Western Conference, we have the Denver Nuggets in first place at 32 and 13, and then a half game back are the Memphis Grizzlies at 31 and 13. Third place are the Sacramento Kings. What? Yeah, I know, crazy. <laughs> Fourth are the New Orleans Pelicans. Number five are the Dallas Mavericks. Number six are the Utah Jazz. And uh, the first uh, now into the playing tournament. Number seven are the Golden State Warriors. Number eight are the L.A. Clippers. Number nine, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Number ten, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then outside the playoffs right now are the Portland Trailblazers, Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Lakers, San Antonio Spurs, and the Houston Rockets. Okay, I know they're second to last in the West, but did you watch the Spurs-Warriors game that took place in the Alamo Dome? I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch a lot of it. Oh, my gosh, that atmosphere was electric. It was awesome. I saw some people were taking pictures. They had some terrible seats. Yeah, but it looked looked cool on TV. That's what matters. It did look cool on TV. Yeah. But then at the top again is we Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets have just been really in the league of their own this year, along with Memphis a little bit, not as much. But uh, Nikolai Jokic is probably going to get a third straight MVP just the way he's played this year. Yeah, he's he's one of the best players in the league for sure. And just the way he's been able to just kind of take a Denver team who in the past hasn't been like they they've been their first like real superstar I would say since probably Carmelo Anthony. Oh yeah, what, for like, sure. I mean, he's a, 10, 15 years ago. I mean, uh, Jokic is kind of a generational guy. Stuff he can do in the post is mm-hmm. just absolutely amazing. Yeah, he's most likely going to win that award again this year. And then the Memphis Grizzlies right now also, uh, kind of the same way but with a different position. John Morant, the way he's just able to just play and just make those around him better, it's just been really it, – It's Memphis is a great team to watch if you just have nothing going on and they're on TV. I mean, at the end of the day, Jaws a – a ball player. You know, there's a reason they're on an 11-game win streak right now. Yes, they are. They currently have the longest winning streak in the NBA right now. They also have the best point differential in the Western Conference with plus 5.8. Yeah, I mean, that race for the one and two spot now with Sacramento's and New Orleans are six games behind uh, Denver. I think that one and two race is going to be very interesting as we get – further and further into the year because I don't think some of those playing teams that are usually at the top 
are going to be able to be challenging for that. Oh, Lord, no. Um, Golden State won't be able to get back up there. Oklahoma State is a playoff? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the Western Conference, man, what happened to y'all? Yeah, and then you have Portland, who's down the bottom. Portland was, like, number two in the Western Conference for, like, the first, like, three weeks of the season. Yeah. And they've dropped off really fast. And then you got Phoenix right now, who – I don't know what's going on with them. I know – I think Chris Paul's hurt right now. I mean, Devin Booker can't really do all of it on his own. They might be going through kind of a commander situation where they have uh, out external factors affecting them, mm-hmm. affecting the way they play. And then the Lakers just not being – Good. LeBron did drop 48 on Jabari Smith. He did. That is true. And all I'd like to say is I could hold him to less. And the Lakers, yes, good job to the Lakers for being the record-wise worst team in the NBA. Yeah, but, you know, I I could hold LeBron to 38, I think. (laughs) I guarantee that. I don't – that'd be a lot. I think I could. To ask for. Would it just be like a one-on-one or would it just it'd be? It would be like, get in a game, you know, I'm 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 on LeBron. I'm guarding him. And he's guarding me. Because he don't want none of this dark step back that I got. <laughs> Fair enough. But, yeah, and then down at the bottom, again, Houston Rockets, 10-35, not great. Um, looking at the top, Sacramento Kings, you were kind of shocked when I said that name. Sacramento's been on a – it uh, has been an interesting team to watch this year. Third place in the Western Conference. Um, leading scorer right now is De'Aaron Fox, 24 points a game. Sabonis with 7.1 assists per game, as well as shooting 61% from the field, along with 12.6 rebounds for Sabonis. I, I got to watch more ball, man. <laughs> this is crazy. Sacramento Kings, who would have thought? Yes. Then they're first in the Pacific, too, which is... That's um, the Lakers and uh, all them like, uh, I don't know. that's the Lakers and the oh god, who am I thinking of? The Lakers and the uh, Golden State Warriors and all them. They're first in that division. That's amazing. Another thing that's kind of shocked me a little bit of the Utah Jazz after trading away their two like superstar like franchise players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They're sitting in a playoff spot right now. They're number six right now. Nine and a half games back of Denver, but they're sitting right smooth at uh, 500 record right now. Well, they drafted Walker Kessler, who has become no, they a, uh, one of the uh, guys that's competing for Rookie of the Year right now. No, Walker Kessler is traded from Minnesota for the Rudy Gobert. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then Walker Kessler was also drafted by Memphis, who was yeah. then traded well, they to got him. Minnesota, they got him. who then got traded to Utah, which has been very good right now. Walker Kessler has been playing really, really well in the past couple games. He's competing for that rookie of the year. I think he uh, just entered the race this past um, this past uh, announcement or whatever you want to call it. It's going to be hard, but I think he's got a chance. Right now, looking at the offensive leaders, Lucas leading the way with points, of course, 33.7 points a game, followed by Joel Embiid, 33.6. Jason Tatum at 31.1. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 31 on the dot. And then Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 30.5. Lucas just so good. Luke is amazing. I still remember what he did to us uh, against the Knicks. I cried a little bit, not going to lie. <laughs> um, assist right now, Tyrese Halliburton, 10.2, leading the league. Nikolai Jokic, 9.9. Trey Young, 9.8. Luka, 8.8. Darius Garland, 8. So, you want to know why, like, that's just why Jokic is, like, so good in all aspects. Well, the assist number's right there for you. Almost 10 a game from a center. 
pretty good because you draw all that defense too. You got to be able to move the ball well. Yeah, and after a couple, you know, good post moves, they're going to double you, double double you almost uh, the entire game, and not let you try to get something. And you got to hit that the uh, Utah scheme as well because you know sometimes if you get doubled, there's nobody you can really pass it to if you're smart enough with your uh, double. And then also three-pointers made, still leading the way. He's been out for injury for a little bit, but it's Steph Curry, 4.9 a game, followed by Klay Thompson at 4.1, LaMelo Ball at 4, as well as Damian Lillard at 4, and then Buddy Heald at 3.8. So I know Steph's not playing right now, but that's Clay's still playing, so there's still some pretty high numbers for Golden State in the way they're playing right now. Yeah, and, you know, back in my day, we didn't have three-pointers. <laughs> you know, I don't really – Back in See the day. need for that, but you back know, in your day, you got to hand it to these kids now. They can shoot from anywhere on the field or court. We said it earlier Sabonis leading the way in rebounding, uh, blocks. Uh, Walker Kessler fourth in the league in blocks, averaging two a game. So picking up right where he left off in college, right now, and he's only got point seven to go. Nick Claxton uh, with Brooklyn leader in bro- uh, blocks, followed by Brooke Lopez with two point five, Miles Turner. 2.4, and then Walker Kessler, of course, with two. Then Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks with 1.8. Yeah, Walker Kessler in these last 10, averaging 25 minutes a game, 65% shooting from the field, 10.5 rebounds a game, 1.2 assists per game, 2.6 blocks per game, and 10 points per game on the dot. So he's coming into his own a little bit right now. Guy, he's taking over the starting center spot for the Jazz. Yeah, and he's – he he's probably not a franchise guy uh, right now for the Jazz, but he's definitely a guy that you could help build around. You know, a, de- a real defensive anchor that you kind of need. Yeah, him and Laurie uh, Markinen, who used to play for the Bulls, kind of. I think those are the two right now. They were talking about like they wouldn't trade right now at all. Yeah. For the Jazz, I mean, I wouldn't right now with the way they're both playing. But yeah, that's a little bit update on one of our Auburn Tigers in the NBA. But don't go anywhere. When we come back. We know we're going to do what we do best. Remember, we're going to just talk some F1 with y'all. So don't go anywhere. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Bradley Basin studio. This is the Eagle's Nest at 11.45 a.m. Fixing to be the afternoon. My name is Noah Phillips. The man across from me is Griggs Blankenberg. And we're going to get into some Formula Oon action. Formula, uh, again, if you don't know, me, Noah, and our friend Ben are do the F1 show here at Weagle. Smooth Operators tomorrow, every Friday at 1 p.m. If you feel so inclined, you can check us out. We're on every major podcast platform. We have a good time. We do. We have a good time. We have a great time. Let's talk a little bit about it right now. The big news out of F1 this week was the F1 will not replace the Chinese Grand Prix. They will have 23 races for this season. Now, if you don't know what's going on, China has some really strict, I believe, lockdown rules right now. So I think that's one of the main reasons why they're not going back just yet because they couldn't guarantee that everything would be smooth and ready for them to operate with a full race with fans and team amenities. Which, I mean, on one port, I think I'm one of the few people that actually like the uh, the Chinese layout. But on the other hand, you know, China's not exactly the greatest uh, place to live, right? You know, but... Uh, them not replacing it, though, I do not understand that because I feel like you could go to Bahrain and win one of the different or run one of the different uh, layouts like they have in the past. And I just don't get why you don't do that or go somewhere else. 
you know, I'm sure there are loads of places that want to have a, another Grand Prix. You could probably race another one at France if you really wanted to. You come to America, running on a back road, <laughs> do something. North Wilkesboro. North Wilkesboro. <laughs> um, the weird thing about this, it leaves a weird four-week gap between the Australian Grand Prix and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, uh, where Australia will be on April 2nd, and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix will be on April 30th. So be a four-week window where it probably would have gone race off a week, race off a week, and then race again. So now it's just four weeks. Which I meant to talk about this on the last show, but there were of the top 100 uh, most watched programs by Americans, none of them were any sort of races. The, actually, there was one, but it was the um, Churchill Downs um, Kentucky Derby. But if F1 wants to get more viewers, they – I don't want to say they have to run more races. They just have to be more consistent with it because once people get into a uh, habit of watching sports, they're more inclined to continue watching it. That's why the NFL, you know, I really hated them going to Thursday nights because people were used to watching Sunday night football, waking up the next day, going to work, and getting their reward of Monday night football, mm. getting to listen to Hank Williams for a little bit. But, yeah, so that's an interesting thing. There were talks, like, you were talking about a replacement track. You were looking at Portugal's Portimao circuit. Oh, that's uh, a beautiful track. Oh, God, I wish they would have went there. They didn't make the cut because they didn't want to have a deal simply like they were just trying to get to 24 races. I don't think they wanted to do it that way, which I would have liked it to have gone there. That would have been, I mean, better than nothing. Yeah, better than, nothing, better than having a four-week gap. On four, your race schedule. Four-week gap, yeah. Um, last total race there in 2019. Um, yeah, kind of what I said. There was a doubt about team and organizational personnel being able to travel to and operate within the country. Um, so, yeah. So, not going to get the Chinese Grand Prix for another year. So, going to be interesting to see if they even bring it back for 2024. At this point, do you even do it? I mean... It's such a huge market, but then again, it brings around so... Many obstacles. Yeah, and paint's kind of a a, a negative impact on um, your geopolitical stuff. But I mean, I love the layout. I'm one, I think I'm one of the few people that do. It's very fun to drive in F1 2022. Um, and to your credit, I mean, we can't keep bringing in tracks like Miami and. Saudi Arabia that are just terrible. We, we got to have at least a couple that are good, you know, like, like Portugal would have been. But very surprised we aren't going to someone like Paul Ricard. I just think at that stage they didn't want to give Paul Ricard a new deal. At that point, yeah, but I feel like you have enough like strong arm stuff to where you could go. Okay, we're gonna give you one more year, and we're gonna see how it goes. That's what we're gonna do, and then we'll like let you know after. Like it'd be shady, but like it, I think it'd work. I think it could. Um, other interesting stuff right now. Um, F one's gonna be the first team to launch their car February third. So I think they were the first team last year to do it. They're the first team by a large margin to do it this year. They're launching it on February third in New York. In New York. In New York, they will launch the car at an event. Um, We'll have Max Verstappen, the reigning drivers champion, along with uh, Sergio Checo Perez, F1, uh, Red Bull, the reigning uh, constructors champion. So, 
That's kind of an interesting thing. Usually they unveil their car on like kind of an event in their factory where it's just them, a bunch of the people who worked on the car team-wise. So it's interesting they're doing like kind of like a live event thing for it. Well, you know, these, these teams know how much bigger uh, this sport can be if they continue to grow their market and go into a place like New York, one of the, um, I'd say, the uh, capitals of fashion, you know, could be – uh, portraying that, you know, it's New York, Fran- uh, Paris, and I don't even know where else to be capital of fashion, but uh, doing that and having such so many eyes on you as you do it, I'm very surprised they're not bringing Daniel Ricardo. So I feel like he'd be... I mean, they may. I just read that they were bringing their two drivers. He yeah. could come. Uh, I'm know. sure he'll be there to shake a few hands and kiss a few babies. Um, Other stuff kind of right now, just... A little bit. We can talk about what we talked about a little bit on the show last week. Just so much, like, kind of shake-up with, like, team principles and stuff this year. You got um, Alfa Romeo, uh, Fred Vassar going to Ferrari, the yeah. big one. So, Noah's a Ferrari fan, so that was a big one for you. What are, you, what are your I'm thoughts thinking, on that? Um, You know, he's just got to show up and do all right. He's just got to continue development on the car. That's all I want to see. Everything else, I think, will uh, take care of itself. Limit the, the mental mistakes. Limit the mental mistakes. And... We shouldn't have to do that because we're one of the oldest teams in Formula One. But you know, you know, just time and practicing will get you ready for that. We could have had it all if they would have just stopped the season after Australia last year. This thing would have been over with red. If they just would have stopped the season after Bahrain. Uh, but. But moving on now, look at I'm looking at some of the stuff on ESPN they got for Formula One right now. The let's see if we agree with some of these. The F1 2022 driver rankings. So first place, uh, this guy for F uh, for ESPN had Max Verstappen. Understandable. Yeah, he won. He I won. I can't. He had a 454 points. He qualified Checo 18 to four. So obviously yeah. that was yeah. number two is an interesting name on this list. It's Lando Norris. No. I don't think so, though. I think the whole reason he's going to be um, – he's putting Lando Norris this high was because, A, he outqualified Daniel Ricciardo 20-2 last year. And then – I don't – Like, I, I get I, that, but, like, it's I, still – he wasn't able to beat other, you know. Again, well, he's still the only of the top three teams to score a podium outside of yeah, the top three. Point. But still, number two seems, like, pretty high. He didn't do it – consistently enough in the races on Sunday for me. He was the highest non-Big 3 racer. so And I don't get that one. I'm already off to an interesting start with this one. George Russell, third. I thought he was going to be second. Yeah, I think he should have been second. He had a fantastic year in a uh, struggling Mercedes car, except it, for the end of the season. It's crazy how he finished above Lewis, but Lewis out-qualified him 9-13. to That's crazy. He did? Apparently, that's what it's saying that's right crazy. here. Yeah. And just um, he finished 35 points ahead of him in the standings. Um, I think he finished top five in all but, like, two races. One of them was the craziness that was Silverstone. And then I feel like he I feel like he got out early in one race, too. But he was consistently every single top five. Yeah, uh, it was uh, – was it Coda? Did he crash? In- no, he didn't crash in Coda. I don't think he- did anyone crash in Coda. Yes, because George Russell 
piloted his car into um, our our guys. He cheated to win. Ah, oh yeah. Uh, number f- number four, Lewis Hamilton. Nah. Yeah, no. I think that's some Charles Leclerc disrespect. That is some Charles Leclerc disrespect. It, it, I think he should be like six, probably. Yeah, I mean, I understand not putting um, uh, Charles two, maybe three, but I don't think. Yeah, Lewis is not better. It was not better than Charles this year. Thirteen nine, and then Charles was fifth, second in the championship, fifteen and seven qualifying record versus Carlos. Two of those times, Carlos scored pole position. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to out qualify Charles Leclerc when he was the pole king this year. He was. He just you know went away anyway. Fernando Alonso in sixth. Okay, no. No. What? What? This, no. This is Where's propaganda. This is media propaganda. Where's Checo? Where's time. Carlos? Where oh. is, like, yeah, where? Number seven was Sebastian Vettel. Like, I get, he retired. Like Yeah, I get why they put them him that high. I get that one. Out here trying to pull at the heart springs, man. Esteban Alcon in eighth. Well, I mean, he could have been a lot higher if it wasn't for you. It wasn't for me, yeah. Uh, number nine, <laughs> Valtteri bought us. Dog, no. No. This, no. This is terrible. They're always saying that because he scored 49 at Alfa Romeo's 55 points this year. No. No. This was ripped by a NASCAR fan. Alex Albon in 10th. What? Still Carlos Sainz and Checo have not been on the board. What? Carlos... <laughs> Hit the what sound effect. If I can find it. The Noah what sound effect. What? What? Yeah. What? Crazy. Um, Carlos in 11th. Crazy. Kevin Magnuson in 12th. We still have not said Checo Perez yet. Number 13, there's Checo. Okay. No. 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 How do you finish third in the championship and you can put 13th on this guy's power That's rankings? That's terrible. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. That is, that's awful. That's terrible. Pierre Gasly in fourteenth, Lance Stroll fifteenth, Yuki Tsunoda sixteenth, Guan Yu Zhou seventeenth. Guan Yu Zhou was a lot better than Yuki. What? Uh, Mick Schumacher eighteenth. I kind of agree with that. I think sixteenth. Number nineteen was Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, yeah, and of course twenty is. Nicholas Latifi. Nah. What? Nah, he should be one. But, yeah, this list. Latifi, the disrespect. I think the only one they really got right on the notes of were the first and the last. Yeah. I can't think of one in the middle that I agreed with. Maybe Fernando, but that seems just a little high. And Checo in 13th was just disrespectful. That entire list was disrespectful. Lando Norris at second. Come on, man. He only got one podium this year. He didn't get one pole position. Terrible. That was awful. All right, I want know, a refund. Me and Noah are going to save the rest of that for our show. But don't worry. When we come back, we got the second hour of the show. We're talking a lot of NFL. We're talking a lot of ball. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to the Eagle's Nest. It is now 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and we are previewing the – or excuse me, reviewing. The NFL wild card Saturday, super, Sunday, Monday. Super wild card weekend. Which makes no sense. Why, why don't you just call it wild card weekend? Because it's super. Well, you've only done it for 
two years now. You have seven teams. We get it, NFL. Respect the marketing aspect of it. We are business majors in the journalism department right now. Yeah, but you can't keep doing super card, super wild card weekend. What are you going to do? Super, super wild card weekend when we moved eight teams? Yes. No. The more super, the better. But, yes, we are second out of the show. Mainly a lot of talk about the NFL. So let's go right into it now. Starting off Saturday, January 14th, we're going to go in order. Final score in that one with the 49ers defeating the Seahawks 41-23. to Brock Purdy had four touchdowns in this game, leading the San Francisco 49ers into the next round. I mean, I don't know what people expected. I mean, San Francisco is just a good team, even with a uh, Mr. Relevant behind the uh, behind the center that's also doing a wonderful job. Oh, by the he's, way. he's not lost a game yet. He hasn't lost a he game. He should win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He should, but that's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. I want it to, though. But, yeah, Seahawks are leading at halftime 17-16, to and then the uh, 49ers go on to score um, 25 points in the second half to win this game. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco will always be a great ball club, you know, especially with Shanahan. Even with DK Metcalf scoring, uh, going 10 receptions, 136 yards, and two touchdowns, and they still lose by 18 points. If you're Seattle, do you pay Geno Smith? Because he's old. That's the thing you got to think about. He's old. Who are you going to turn to? I mean, I guess you have Denver's pick, but. You know who you can get? Who can you get? Jarrett Stidham at a Las Vegas uh, trade for him, man. He can play. He's the only quarterback on the roster right there right now. What? Yeah, Derek Carr's going to leave. They want to trade him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can get Derek Carr. I forgot about him. I was just focusing on the Not Auburn man and Jared Derek Stidham. Derek Carr's got Colts written all over him. No, he's not. Gonna. Colts have learned their lesson. I don't know. Jim Ursay's going to no- go no. I don't know if they have. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. But, yes, 49ers moving on to the next round. Next up, we're going to Jacksonville where the Jaguars – Come back down, I believe, what was it? It was 27, uh, yes, 27 to nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they were down 27. They ended up beating the Chargers 31 to 30. Trevor Lawrence, terrible in the first half. I think he had four interceptions in the first half. He ends up going 28 for 47, 288 yards, four touchdowns. And the Jaguars are moving on after a last-second field goal wins it over the Chargers. I would just like to say that uh, Spanos deserved this. The fans did not deserve it, but Spanos, you deserve this. I I hate it for your players. I hate it for your coaches. I hate it for your fans. But Spanos, when you left San Diego, you deserve every single loss you get, every single hatred that you get. You deserve to be the second team in Los Angeles behind the Rams that themselves left St. Louis and nearly got that place burned to the ground. Man, what the L.A. teams make me mad. Hmm. Why are they there? I don't get it. But you got to hand it to Jacksonville. Fantastic season so far. And they're still playing. Probably going to hit a brick road in the divisional round, but, hey, we'll get there when we get there. You want to hear you, – you like fun stats. I know you do. You want to hear a fun stat? I do want to hear a fun stat. Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game on Saturday in his entire career. High school, college, NFL. Take okay. a guess on what day the game is this weekend versus the Chiefs. Is it on Saturday? It is on Saturday. Well – there you go, folks. What happens when a unstoppable force meets an immovable object? We're going to find out this weekend, 3.30 on NBC. And the NFL will write a great script for it. <laughs> That'll be great. Moving on, it's still in the wild card round, but also, one more thing. 
I know they fired their offensive coordinator in for the Chargers, but man, you're ruining Justin Herbert's start to his career. Yeah, ruining it. That man is awesome. You're ruining it, bruv. You you blew it. I mean, he's he's what already people are already calling him what a top five quarterback in the NFL. People are calling him a social media quarterback. Well, Emmanuel Acho has <laughs> been proven wrong so many times. He literally said he was wrong, and then the second they lose in the in the wild card round, he takes a picture with a social media quarterback jersey. I mean, what a what an I don't know. He's what a words we can't. <laughs> what an idiot. Moving on now down to the Dolphins and the Bills Sunday, January fifteenth. This is last Sunday. The Dolphins almost beat the Bills. It was thirty four to thirty one. Bills are moving on, but Skylar Thompson almost got it done. Yeah, I, that wasn't going to happen. I don't know what Buffalo is going through right now. Like They've had a miracle season up to this point, and it did not deserve to go away in the uh, divisional round to Skylar Thompson. Like, what in the world was that going to be? I think just Buffalo just refuses to put teams away. Yeah, I, I mean, and that'll haunt you, you know, especially with a, a genius at coaching like it almost did with uh, McDaniels there. Miami. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, Mike McDaniel. He's a good coach. But, I mean, you got to give them credit for what they did. I mean, they played a really good team, one of the best teams in the NFL, with a third-string quarterback named Skylar Thompson. Yeah, a completely Madden-generated player back there at quarterback and almost got it done against one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Yeah, but if you're Buffalo, are you concerned by that? Yes. We almost lost to Skylar Thompson, mm. a team that we've already beat. They beat them twice. No, they didn't. They lost to Tua uh, like early on in the season. We already beat in the regular season one time. That is true. We lost, And we beat. We almost lost to them in Buffalo. You know, if you get in the conference championship and it's Kansas City, you're going down here to play in Atlanta, I'd be scared. My table would be on a little bit more shaky legs when I jump off of it. Moving on now down there, um, we have a game that was really, really good right at the end. We have the Giants and the Vikings. The Giants go on the road. They're the only – or, sorry, not the only – one of the only te- – uh, one of two teams to win on the road this weekend. They beat the Vikings 31-24 to off of Daniel Jones throwing 301 yards for two touchdowns, 24-35 with 78 carries. Daniel Jones was the leading rusher on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. I don't like Daniel Jones, man. Why that? Why's that? I just don't. I don't like the way he plays, man. He worries me too much. I just watch him play. You know, I'm a big fan of game manager type quarterbacks, and I, I don't know. He just when Al Davis once drafted a man because he liked the way he ran. Me and Daniel Jones is the exact opposite. No matter what he does, I'm gonna go. I don't know. So you're just a hater. I'm just a hater. I guess a hater. I'm just a hater. They shouldn't have drafted him, like. What was it, third pick? It was like 10th, I was like think. Like, the crazy thing about it, he went to high school like five minutes from me. I didn't hear about him until draft night. And he played at Duke. He played at Duke. I didn't hear about him at all. It was more of like, it was kind of like a Mitch Trubisky situation for me, at least, because I'm like, wait, why is this North Carolina quarterback ranked so high right now? But then, yeah. But, yeah, he's going to get his money this offseason probably. I mean, they're going to pay him. Yeah. Because he's worth more to them than I can't think of an, of any other team that needs a quarterback right now. 
Because Brian Dable's going to win Coach of the Year, I think. Uh, yeah, it'll be there. It'll be Mike McDaniel's is giving them a shot, though. I know, but the Dolphins were supposed to make the playoffs. No, they weren't. I think Patriots were. And we no, they blew weren't. it. Yes, we were. Bill Belichick drafting a offensive tackle who's a third round projected is not going to the playoffs. Hey, it worked for the Raiders with a uh, Colin Farrell. What do you think about Mac Jones going into his contract year next year? Oh, uh, we are not. We, I don't know who we get, but I don't want him as our future quarterback. That's kind of me right now. Where we the only quarterback we have on our roster for the Panthers next year is Matt Corral, and yeah, he he's, he's coming Walker. off a, he was coming off a season ending injury. Well, think about PJ Walker. He's gonna get he was gonna get cut this year before Matt Corral went out with an injury in the preseason. Uh, yeah. So I don't think we're gonna justify paying him again. We don't even have a head coach right now. We got to figure that out first. Yeah, I'll do. It's whatever. Um, but the Vikings, uh, I think they had the were uh, they had. I wonder what their uh, final points um, thing was. Their uh, point differential. Uh, yes, they were in minus three point differential before the, at the end of the regular season, and then they end up losing. So it just went up more. They would be a minus was that one. Plus six, seven. They'd be minus ten because they lost by uh, seven in that game. Yeah, that's great. That's crazy. Lose, you lose five games, and that's your point differential. Which they can. I mean, think about this, themselves off. Think about some of those games that they got destroyed by the Eagles, and then they got destroyed by the Cowboys. That's why it's so you know, lopsided. You, if you if you always keep teams within striking range, then that means you will never become dominant. Hmm. In those games that where you get do where you do get blown out, you are always going to look like a fool. Mm. And right now, Minnesota has grittied back home on the couch to watch the rest <laughs> of these NFL playoffs. <laughs> I see what you did there. Good job. Uh, final game of uh, Sunday night. It was the Ravens and the Bengals. The Bengals defeating the Ravens twenty-four to seventeen off of a goal line fumble six. Sam Hubbard. 98-yard fumble return. Ravens were about to take the lead, and it got flipped just like that. They were going to be seven points up, ended up being seven points down in the blink of an eye. Hey, got to hand it to the big man. Got a big man, Tuddy. I thought Mark Andrews was going to get him there for a second, too. I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're going to get uh, they're going to get a block in the back. Hey. Man, watching the big man score a touchdown, so inspirational. Tyler Huntley actually played pretty well. 226 yeah. yards, two touchdowns. I mean, I, I, if you're Baltimore and you can't get Lamar anymore, I think you can justify him becoming your next QB at least for another season. You got to get some receivers, though. I mean, speaking of Lamar, what? I don't know where where he's going to go. All of these people around Weagle who are somehow Falcons fans still are just like saying he's going to come to Atlanta. It's time. And then Logan screaming, "No, he's going to stay." Yeah. That's going to be an interesting dynamic if he goes to Atlanta with all the people we have here, and well, then Logan. Obviously, Harbaugh has lost um, the locker room, hmm. I believe, from everything I've read. But I don't know what you do if you're Lamar Jackson. Because nowhere is really that, like, nice to look at. I mean, where do you want to go? The Colts? The Raiders? I don't know if he's going to go to the Raiders, though. Miami, maybe? I think they're going to give to another. I think they're going to franchise tag to a. Yeah, that's what I think. That. Uh, final game of wild, Super Wildcard Weekend: the Cowboys defeat the Buccaneers thirty-one fourteen. Tom Brady's first ever loss to the Buccane- uh to the Cowboys. He only has yet to lose to the New England Patriots, of course. 
But no, as a Patriots fan, will this be the last game we see Tom Brady, or will he? No, God, no. Another he, game. He lost all his money in FTX. He needs to play somewhere. Everybody keeps saying though, like he's going to go to the Raiders. I don't think people realize they don't have enough money to pay him. You do realize Tom Brady is probably not worth that much money anymore, right? Well, he's still like, if you put Brady in the number twelve on a jersey, people are going to buy that up. He's still that marketable. True, but he has never really once in his career gotten a lot of money from contracts you know that better than anyone well that's because he was married to Giselle who was a supermodel and now he's not so he doesn't have that supermodel money coming in so he he needs a paycheck fair enough um but yeah I, I don't know I don't feel like he's gonna go back to the Bucks. I don't especially I, since they kept their head coach but who do I but what do I know you don't listen to my don't listen to me and Daniel's NFL preview. We will, you guys will, you will laugh so much. But that is going to do it for our wild card weekend talk. When we come back, we're talking more NFL. We're doing a divisional round preview. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Bradley Basin studio for the Eagles Nest. We only have 45 minutes left in our show today. But time for myself, Noah Phillips, and Greg Blakenberg to preview this coming week's NFL playoff uh, fixtures, as they say, over across the pond. But it is the divisional round as we have our first game on Saturday, January 21st, with Jacksonville traveling up to Kansas City at 3.30 on NBC. Tickets are as low as 120 in Arrowhead, which is crazy. That is crazy. Hey, remember the stat I just told you a couple minutes ago on hey, the show? I think our listeners hey, remember. If Trevor Lawrence can win on Saturday again, i got to give it to him, you know? Hey, like, I don't think he can, but hey. Hey, the Jaguars made it to the AFC Championship one other time. And they lost to the Patriots. They did lose to the Patriots. It was very they, sad. They don't have Jalen Ramsey like they did back in those days. Or Blake Bortles. Or Blake Bortles. We won't, I will not take any boat disrespect on this show. <laughs> but... Yeah, I think the Chiefs are kind of the same way as the Bills. Kind of, the, they refuse to cover the spread. Yeah, like every single time. And the thing is, like, they're kind of entering like a uh, Pittsburgh Steelers esque play down to your competition. You and know what I'm talking. It's about? also where the Chiefs just let again, like, let teams hang around. They're, like, they're six ten and one against the spread. That's terrible. It's terrible. Well, you know, they're also probably going to be favored every week by like fourteen, which is kind of harder to cover. True, but they're covering that, or they're they're that high for a reason, though. Yeah, it's eight and a half this weekend. I mean, that's you got to remember this is NFL playoff football. The games are going to be close. The script writers love their close games in the playoffs. Now, the thing is, are we going to get the Chiefs that played against the Houston Texans who got taken to overtime by them? Yeah. Are we going to see the Chiefs that want to win another Super Bowl? Exactly. That's going to be the question, but. I definitely wouldn't count Jacksonville out in this one, though. No, I wouldn't count them out either, but I think Kansas City's offense is going to be a little bit too overpowering for that Jacksonville defense. Mm, true. Well, we got a little bit of breaking news real quickly in the world of NFL. The Ravens have fired offensive coordinator Greg Roman. I bet Ravens fans all across America are rejoicing right now at that news. As a Ravens fan, uh, walk by. We just saw Logan walk by. <laughs> I think he's happy. About, I would be happy. I'd be happy too. I'd be happy if the Patriots fired I don't their think offense he, coordinator. I don't think he. I don't think he knows either. Probably funny. Doesn't. 
Yeah. But yeah. Checked his phone yet? He may try to run on here when he finds that out. But yeah. Moving on now on at the link on Saturday night, 7:15 p.m. on Fox, the one seed in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles, take on the nine seven and one New York Football Giants. Getting into this one for two hundred thirteen dollars at the link. Over under is set at forty eight, and the line is currently set to Eagles minus seven and a half. I, I probably I expect Philadelphia to cover. I think New York is a pretty good football team, but I think Philadelphia has a little bit of some edges on them, especially um, on the line front. I think the Eagles are going to win um, the battle of the trenches, and I think they could very easily win by ten. However, the Noah, you as anyone know, this is a true stat. It's hard to beat a team three times in one year. It is. But it's playoff football. It is playoff football. Script riders are going crazy. And to think about it, the, the Giants played the Eagles in the last game of the regular season, too. So they've played them semi-recently. They played them in week um, week 18. They played them, in, And then they played them in week 6, 17, 16, 15, 14. So they've played them... They're going to end up playing them three times in like two months. Yeah. I feel like that's going to have some effect on it. And I think it will too. But, I mean, both these coaches are very, very smart or very, very good at what they do. So they very obviously are probably are, watching the film right are, now. As are Eagles speak. fans happy with Nick Sirianni? I think so. He got on the number one uh, place in the East. But, yeah, but he was so the, brain they when they beat the Texans like they won the Super Bowl. Some coaches do different stuff, though, man. You got to think about that. I don't think they cover this, though. Because I don't think Jalen Hurts' shoulder is as healthy as people are saying it is. You think they're going to win by four? Something like that? I think they'll win. I don't think they're going to win by seven or more. Seven and a half or more. I I think when it comes down to it, I think, um, like I said, I don't trust Daniel Jones. I think at the end of the day, you know, he's going to kind of go out there and not be able to perform. I think Philadelphia going into the fourth quarter, they'll be up by seven. Daniel Jones throws a pick, another field goal. That's how we get to ten points. And my question is, is Philly going to be able to get the run offense going? Because they can't have Jalen Hurts throwing too, too much on that hurt shoulder. I think they can. Like I said earlier, I think they can win the battle of the trenches, and I think they can get that running game going. I think the Giants are going to have to have a lot more go right than the Eagles to win this game. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, that's on Saturday night. Moving on now to Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. on CBS in Orchard Park, New York. The Buffalo Bills are taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. This game got canceled a few weeks ago for the DeMar Hamlin injury. So it's going to be an interesting matchup, I think. Currently the Bills are favored by 5.5, according to Vegas, and the over-under is set at 48.5. And if you remember that game up until uh, the Namar Hamlin incident, it was low scoring. It was. It was. And that game was also set in Cincinnati. So this game being in Buffalo, I expect there'd be a lot more fireworks, especially coming from the arm of Josh Allen. But my question is, if the Bengals win this one, I just don't know. Because if you're Josh Allen and the Bills, like what else can you do? Win a Super Bowl. Besides that, if you lose this game, what else can you add to get to that point? I don't know what else they can do because Von Miller's hurt. That's the only thing that's – they've not been lacking too, too much on defense. You 
Go out there, pay Justin Tucker whatever he wants. Get a good, get a new kicker there. Justin Tucker wasn't this good that year. Dar- that's why Daniel Carson won AP oh, yeah. first team. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. For, for your Raiders, yeah. Or at your heart, your Patriots fan still, but yeah. you know. For what I mean. my Al Davis, but I, I just think Buffalo. I think this is the year they're going to end up making a run. I think they'll win this game, and then they'll, they'll play. come down here to Atlanta. Play Chiefs in Atlanta. Yeah. Which which is hilarious to me. Why would they go to Atlanta? Of all the places. It makes no sense. I think Detroit's having renovations done on their thing. They're, uh, the Vikings are doing something at theirs. Dude, I don't know. It's unprecedented. You could have went to, like, Pittsburgh, Heinz Field. I think they want to go indoors just so they can't get any, like – Mess ups happen. I think that's what I'm leaning towards thinking. What's going to happen? Mess ups, like weather delays and stuff oh, like that. Okay. Yeah, okay, that does make sense. Like they can't really have a, take a chance on thunder snow again. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, five and a half. I think the Bills can cover this. I, I do think the Bengals do have a really good shot at this game. I think they're they twelve do. and five against the spread. I mean, everybody in the playoffs right now is. Very, very serviceable. You know, they they can play ball at the end of the day. My question is, like, how is that offensive line going to hold up for the Bengals? It, it's not. It, it's not. that They are a couple tackles and a guard away from being legit Super Bowl contenders. But then, again, we looked at it last year. I mean, they made the Super Bowl with not as great offensive line then, too. Yeah, but they only made it. They didn't win it. Well, they didn't win it. Well, that's true. They could have won it, though, I believe still. Moving on now, the final game of the division round, we at 5.30 p.m. on Fox. It's the Dallas Cowboys traveling to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California to take on the San Francisco 49ers line. And this one is San Francisco minus four, over under 46. Tickets as low as $393. The most expensive game this weekend in the NFL. Let me ask you a question, Greg. Let me, let me hear this question. What is the one of the most heated rivalries in the NFL? Packers Bears. You know where I was going with this. Come on now. But <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys versus the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Giants, whichever way the NFL wants to go with it, it will probably be one of the most biggest games we've had. And something about the Cowboys in this game, I just got a good feeling about them. I got that feeling inside my bones. It goes electric. Oh my goodness! I need every time Dak is on my TV. I I just think Dak Prescott and Tony Pollard are going to come out in San Francisco, and I think they're going to dominate. My thing with Dak is that this San Francisco. I don't think this one's up for the bad. I think the Forty ers defense is the best defense left in the NFL in the NFL playoffs. But it's Kyle Shanahan. That is true, but that means he's an offensive coach. So he doesn't really touch the defense too much. It is. You're telling me Nick Bosa doesn't scare you? He does. He scares me a lot. But something about Dakota Prescott, something about him just tells me that this weekend he's going to give it everything he's got. Well, he has to. He's not. I don't think he's that good. I don't think he's that good either, but I think he's going to go above and beyond. And I think Brock Purdy, he's wearing all this – you know, pride on his sleeve about being the next big thing. I don't think he's thinking that. I think he is. He's smug. He's going to overlook this game. They're going right to the 
You're telling me the kid who's out of Ohio, uh, Iowa State, the rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, is overlooking this division around. He's like, I'm already on. I'm already on to the Giants or Eagles. Exactly. I, I think he. I think you're crazy. I think if Brock Purdy wins this game, he gets he gets my vote for MVP. 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 Yeah, you win this game. No, my my man, my man. He's gonna overlook these Dallas Cowboys, and I think the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to ride up on their white horses or their white hats, and they are going to play in what is will be become one of the most highest-rated uh, M's NFC Nash, uh, Conference Championships to date. I don't – my thing is I think the Brock Purdy Mavericks got to wear off sometime. I don't know if it would be this game. But then again, my thing is like Brock Purdy doing well. I mean, people who watch him at Iowa State, I didn't watch him at Iowa, at Iowa State, said he wasn't really that even good. Well, but he's then playing in Iowa State. But though. then again, he was playing in. It just shows that Kyle Shanahan system. You can do anything because yeah. I think they're going to keep Brock Purdy for next year. You're telling me they're going if they go. Let's say they lose this next game. They went what five and one, six and one with Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G's not coming back. I don't think. No. We've not heard about. We've not heard from Trey Lance in months. No, we haven't. And they used a second or third over a pick in the draft on him. Yeah. So it's an interesting problem to have here, the 49ers. Maybe you make right. a run for maybe you make a run for the kid who grew up near San Francisco, down in Tampa right now. Yeah. I don't know if Tom Brady will really mesh well with Kyle Shanahan. Well, that'd be the ultimate test for Kyle Shanahan's system. Exactly. I think. But yeah, that is gonna do it for our NFL divisional talk when we come back. We're doing a little bit of NFL draft preview. That's right, 45 straight minutes of football, so don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back to the Eagles Nest. It is 1230, and myself, Noah Phillips, and Greg Splankenberg, we're going to be talking about the NFL draft. Let me go ahead and tell you folks something. Oh, boy, here we go. Bryce Young is not the answer. That man cannot play ball. I think he I think he can. He can play ball, but he's not gonna play ball at an elite level in the NFL. Mm. I said this about Kyler Murray, and I was right. You were right. I was right. I was right all the way back then. And nobody believed me. That I know my quarterbacks in this draft. I am the next Mel Kuyper Jr. He's he's crazy. That who is Mel Kuyper Jr. anyway? It's me. I'm him. I mean, look at some of these draft board grades right now. I mean, Will Anderson's really good. Bryce Young's really good. But looking at the draft right now, the Bears have the number one pick. If they don't trade, I think that just shows that they're one of the – that is a stupid idea. Oh, yeah, sure. Because you already already have a good quarterback in in Justin – Trevor – why did I just say? I almost said Justin Lawrence, um, uh, Justin Fields, and and there are teams behind you that would give an arm and a leg for that number one pick right now, and they're going to give that to you if you if you play your cards right, and will overpay you for quarterback Bryce Young from Alabama. I think the Colts would do that. One hundred percent. But my question is, how far do you want to go down if you're the Bears? Because there are some great. Uh, players in this draft, it's just I'm, you kind of got to take a pick. I mean, you can get a lot of draft capital back from the number one overall pick. I mean, I don't. I think if you're the Bears, I don't. I'd rather get some picks and then some like assets. So like, get some like 
already players like veteran players for that number one pick, like yeah. who are already have some experience that can just go right in and not have a growing period. Yeah. Because I think that's what they need. I mean, you can get a few. I mean, I think they can get one, two, three first-round picks for this number one overall pick, mm-hmm. especially from a team that's a little bit farther down. Because everyone knows if the Bears trade to some team who doesn't need a quarterback, they know that they know the Houston Texans are going to draft a quarterback, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, I don't know. The um, I'm, I'll, let me, let I'll me, tell you who should be on the top of the Bears uh, draft board. If they pick number one? Uh no, like when they go down, I think they should get this kid out of Texas. Uh, by B. John, John Robinson. B. John Robinson, great, great running back. Can I think he's going to be one of the next great running backs in this league? Here's what I'm thinking. So the Colts have the number four pick. I think he could swap that with the Bears, and then the Colts also give them other picks that they have. Um, right now we um. You got some teams behind you. The Bears aren't drafting a quarterback. I think the Texans will. Cardinals definitely are not drafting a quarterback. I'll tell you who would give you an absolute arm and a leg would be the Falcons. They would give you an absolute arm and a leg. They need a quarterback. Or they think they want they they think they need a quarterback. I don't know. But Desmond Ritter's just still so young. But then again, I'd rather have Bryce Young or or see just right over Desmond Ritter. Exactly. Um, I uh, the Falcons will trade with you. The Raiders will trade with you. Your Panthers will trade with you. I don't. I hopefully we don't give up too much. If we trade with them. My thing is, I'm looking at right now the board. I'm looking at the board. I'm a big. I'm a, you know no you know that I'm a big like kind of big picture kind of guy. Exactly. Exactly. That four that fifth and sixth pick between the Seahawks at five and the Lions at six. That's gonna be an interesting topic over the next coming months because a. That sixth pick, that fifth pick, they got to decide if they want Geno pretty soon. And Geno's going to require a little bit more of a race since he was named to the Pro Bowl team this year. Exactly. And number sixth, you got Jared Goff, who has played in a Super Bowl. Fact or fiction? Yes. That is a fact. Yep. Jared Goff has played in a Super Bowl. You have a quarterback who is experienced, who knows what's going to be better. I can't. At this point in the draft, the sixth spot, I think two quarterbacks will already be taken. I think it will be – I don't know. Will Levis is weird. I don't know what that's going to look like. I, I think he could go top 15. Right. There's enough. But my thing is, like, what quarterback would you want to use a first-round pick on? If you're if you're Detroit, you're thinking. People overstep on quarterbacks every year. You've got to realize that. Cameron's pointing to us in the – Studio. Apparently, he's listening to us, or maybe he's. Yeah. I guess he's just hearing us through the glass. I don't know. Probably. I guess. Oh, and then Cameron agrees. With wait, me what though. the heck? That's Daniel. What? Daniel's in the other studio. What? 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 So he was faking sick. He was. How Unbe- dare he? Unbelievable. I'm, we're kidding. Um, and then like what we said, the that five, six, seven, eight spot, antithetically night with the Panthers. Any one of those teams could need a quarterback. Draft a quarterback. If they play their cards right. The, and people just overstep on how good quarterbacks are every year. Because people just expect quarterbacks to come in and just immediately make a difference. No college quarterback is going to come in day one and make a huge difference in a team. Even Trevor Lawrence. I know people like to say, oh, well, it's just because he had 
um, that terrible college coach. Um, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer. You could have gave him Bill Belichick, and he probably still wouldn't have been like amazing as he has been this year because he had to take steps. He had to get more reps in the NFL. The NFL and college are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to draft a quarterback in the top ten places, I get that you think you need one, and you probably do need one. But you can't just expect him to make an immediate difference. He can't be the answer to all your problems. And every year people will sell quarterbacks like they're the answer to the questions. Stetson Bennett's looking pretty good if I'm Bill Belichick right now. No, God, please, <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, man. That's have two quarterbacks that are the same age. Opposite year. God. That'd be, that'd be very funny. I do think some teams going to take a chance on him with like a fifth-round pick or something. Oh, for sure. But I feel I, like he could still make more money as like a – car salesman or insurance salesman in Athens. I don't even... Well, look at some... I wonder if they have some of these proje- uh, projections out now for the draft. I don't think I they... I know do. Mel Kuyper has one. I'm pretty sure. I'm just looking around right now because it's, it's still the NFL draft, so it's still... We got a we got a little bit... We got a little ways to go. Um, But... I'm just lo- um, looking around NFL.com. Um, we got um Jordan Reed's mock draft. You guys got Bryce Young going first overall. I don't see the Texans trading up one spot to draft a quarterback. I don't think it will happen. I just can't see it because they know the Bears. The Bears might try to bluff like they wouldn't believe. You know bluffing. You you're a big poker guy. Yeah. But there's no way if um the Texans I'm believing the Bears going to take a quarterback and give up all these picks that you have. You can. I feel like you can bluff that. I feel like. I don't know how, like, all this offseason stuff dropping hints. Well, Justin Fields needs to improve as a passer. But to trade up one spot for a quarterback that you can, will probably be there the next spot because the Bears do not need a quarterback, I would call that bluff every single you time. You can pay the media enough to tell the world that the Bears need another quarterback. It's, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, credit to the Bears. They can get a haul for a one pick swap and yeah. get a bunch of picks in return hats off to them i just don't think that's going to be the case i'll tell you who's going to be a real interesting position group to watch this year hmm. for the nfl draft is the wide receiver hmm. we have quentin johnson jordan addison jackson smith zay flowers josh downs cedric tillman and jalen height jalen Hot, according to this is the seventh best wide receiver but to me i think he's going to be a top three guy He's he was amazing at Tennessee. Had a uh, hooker throwing to him, which I'm sure helped him a little bit. That probably helped. But at an NFL level, I think he could be a great wide receiver for years to come. Yeah, him at seventh, not even the top Tennessee wide receiver is crazy, exactly. considering he won the main award this year. Quentin Johnson's very good. Jordan Addison is very good. Uh, running back stings. Bijan Robinson, of course, number one. Jamar Gibbs, second. He's going to be still. Robinson's going to be. A Blake Corum's going back to school, so I don't know why that's still there. They need to update that. Um, tight ends. Of course, you gotta have you gotta have another Dame tight end near the top of yeah. your rankings. That's like Spurser isn't an Iowa guy. Oh, like, there we go. That's, like, a, that's like peanut butter and jelly. Those two things just go together. It's Notre Dame and tight ends at the top of the draft board every uh, single time. You also got to remember the Iowa tight ends. Oh, of course, Sam yes. Laporta. Sam Laporta. We got one of the Georgia tight ends coming out. Not the not the not Brock Bowers, but 
one of them. Yeah. I, I need to go back and watch some more uh, offensive line tape. I think there is a couple great guys like uh, Paris Johnson Jr. I know can play uh, at the tackle. Uh, you also got, you, you skipped Torrance over, from Florida. You skipped over the fullback, Hunter Lepke. Nobody drafts a fullback He's, anymore. He, he won the low man award for the best college fullback this year. Nobody drafts fullbacks anymore. They just tell their backup defensive tackle to get in there and run straight. It's crazy to me. You got this number one guy from Northwestern. Now, the little knowledge I know about Northwestern is they only won one game this year, and that was not on U.S. soil. They won in Ireland over Nebraska. So, getting a getting a player who only won one game at offensive tackle, they must have been they must have been really bad. If you're projected to be the first offensive tackle taken in the draft, you must have been so, so bad. If you had the, one of the best offensive tackles, and this is happening. Yeah, and not only the first offensive tackle, but the sixth overall, which is an – oh, God. That's crazy. Oh, I love draft season. <laughs> best uh, time of the year. Best offensive guard, Osiris Torrance out of Florida. Hey, he can play. A&M still got a lot of guys up there after they went – Five and seven. This is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Carter, defensive tackle, yeah. will be an amazing pick wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Brahms is number ten. Is he even playing football anymore? Might be. I don't know. I he got like season-ending injury. He's listed as the tenth best center on the board right now. I don't know. Yeah, Tyree Wilson on Texas Tech is very good player. Uh, you got Derek Hall at number seven. DN defense tackle Jalen Carter probably going to be top three, almost guaranteed. Got Kobe Wooden up there, number eleven, Auburn Tiger. Um, inside linebackers, Drew Sanders, Trenton Simpson, Jack Campbell. Out of, Jack Campbell's really good. Uh, then you got Will Anderson, of course. Then you got the Army kid, projected to go thirty third overall. Uh, I don't. I Andre don't know Carter if that's to the second. Be how it's going to work because they made. He got him. out of his service thing. I think. Oh, he did. Okay. They made a whole new law after that now. So oh, they did. Make it's different. It's different now. Like they're not allowing them to do this anymore after this. Oh, good. Good. Uh, Joey Porter Jr., Penn State, best cornerback. Keely Ringo, number third, number three. I like that. Devin Witherspoon, Illinois, was very good this year. Brian Branch, Alabama. Alabama's just got so many dogs, man. They're just so good. Yeah, they do. Uh, uh, place kickers. You got Chad Ryland. You got Will Reichard. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you got Harrison Mevis, the kicker who missed. Uh, the twenty yarder against Auburn. I don't know if he's going to get drafted. No, I will tell you. I uh, still though, Jamie Robinson out of Florida State in the safety, the kid can play. He got that dog in him. Who's the guy who goes? I pity the fool. Who's that one? Who's who's the WWE guy that does that? That's not a WWE guy. That's uh, Mr. T. Mr. T. I pity the fool who drafts Anthony Richardson because that would be a. <laughs> I don't know. He had one good game this year versus like Utah. And everyone's like, he's going to win the Heisman. He's listed as the fourth best quarterback on here. I'd be surprised if he's one of the top Bo Nix is four or five. Best well, Bo Nix is going back. This is weird. Yeah. They did not update this yet. Bo Nix is coming back. Sam Hartman going Sam, to Notre Dame. Sam Hartman's going to Notre Dame. That's not true. Spencer Rattler's going back. I don't know. Max Duggan is better than Anthony Richardson if I'm looking for a quarterback. That's just Max me. Duggan is better than Jaden Daniels. Yeah. Better than half these guys. He That's, might be better than Hinton Hooker. No, he's not. Never mind. <laughs> no, he's not. And that is going to do it for our NFL Draft Talk. When we come back, we got to do a quick who you got. Daniel sent his picks in, so we're going to do that. Noah's going to join us this week. But don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into 
uh, almost said smooth operators. That's tomorrow at 1 p.m., Noah. That's tomorrow at 1 p.m., but this is the Eagles Nest. We have about 10 minutes left, and we're going to get into what do you call it, Griggs? We call it who you got. Who you got. Who you got. Last week, Daniel and I went 6-4. and four. Each of us did. We picked some different games. Noah's going to join us with for who you got this week. He doesn't know what the picks are, but I'm going to tell him. should be pretty simple. You know the deal. You try to pick the winner. Here we go. Starting off with the NFL playoffs, the Jags travel to Kansas City to take on the number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs. It is a Saturday game, though. Uh, I almost said Daniel, but Noah, who you got? Uh, give me Kansas State. Can- Kansas City, Kansas. Jesus. Yes, I have the Chiefs as well, and so does Daniel Locke. Moving on now to the link in Philadelphia. The Giants are taking on the number one seed in the East, in the NFC, Philadelphia Eagles. Noah, who you got? Give me the Eagles. Philly. Daniel's got the Eagles as well, but not so fast, my friend. I'm going with the G-men. The G-men? I'm going with the Giants. It's hard to beat a team three times in one year, especially if you've played them two times in the past two months. Yeah, but I'll give him that. But They got a lot of tape on them. The Eagles, are the Eagles do got the rest, though, but I'm going to go with the Giants. Moving on now to the Bengals at the Bills, the rematch of the DeMar Hamlin game that got stopped. So this will be an interesting one. The one, uh, not the one seed. The Bills taking on the Bengals. See who goes to the AFC Championship. Will it be the Bengals for the again? But we'll see. Uh, sorry, Noah, who you got? Uh, give me the Buffalo Bills because of the atmosphere in Buffalo. I have the Bills as well, but Mr. Locke's going with the Bengals in this one. Ooh, he's believing in Joe Burr. Joe Burr. He's sick. So because he's sick, he's not thinking he, right. Yeah, he. Yeah, in the other room. That's still funny. Moving on now, last one of the NFL playoffs. We got the boys taking on the 49ers, Brock Purdy and the 49ers, facing Dakota Prescott and the Cowboys. Noah, he got. Give me that Jerry Jones Dallas Cowboys. Daniel's going with the Cowboys as well, but I am not. I'm riding the Brock Purdy magic until it proves me wrong. It has yet. Back to fiction. It's proved me wrong yet. Fiction. It has not proved me wrong. But this Sunday, it's going to prove me wrong. We'll see. Moving on now to college basketball. We got the ranked Miami Hurricanes traveling to Cameron Indoor Stadium to take on the Duke Blue Devils this Saturday. No, you got. Give me to you, baby. Give me the Miami Hurricanes. Give me to you. Unfortunately, I will. I want Miami to win, but me and Daniel are both in the same agreement with this one. We think that Duke is going to win this game. Wow. I know. Sorry. It's hard to win in Cameron. Moving on now, TCU at Kansas, another ranked matchup. It's hard for Kansas to lose at home, but we'll see you in this ranked v. ranked matchup. No, you got. Give me Kansas. It's hard to lose up there in. Jayhawkville. Mm-hmm. Me and Daniel agree with that. We both have Kansas as well. Moving on now to Arizona. We talked about this one earlier. A big match in the Pac-12. It's the UCLA Bruins taking on the Arizona Wildcats. Noah, you got? Game's in Arizona, right? It is in Arizona. Give me Arizona over UCLA. Daniel's got Arizona as well, but I have UCLA. Mick Cronin's a really good coach. That's my reasoning behind it. Moving on now down to Oklahoma. Baylor is taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. Right now they're one of the last – uh, four in from what we were seeing earlier on our bracketology. We were looking at that. It feels like forever ago. Noah, who you got? Oklahoma's a football school. Give me Baylor. Daniel has Baylor as well, but I have the Oklahoma sooner. So this one could be a very interesting match for our who you got rankings this week. Uh, final one, we have Virginia at Wake Forest. Wake Forest will probably become ranked if they win this game after beating a, at the time, undefeated Clemson in conference. Virginia is looking to keep uh, one of their uh, really good season keep keep on rolling. I don't know how else to describe it. No, who you got? God, I don't want to do this. Give me Virginia. Mm. Yep, Daniel agrees with you on that one. He's going with UVA, but I'm going to go with Wake. I think the losses they've had this year have both been on the road. Fact or fiction? Fact. That is a fact. 
Virginia has lost on the road. So I'm going to go with Wake here. I think if Wake could battle a Clemson team who has been playing really well in conference, I think they can do it with UVA. And our final game of the day, it is the Auburn Tigers traveling to Columbia, South Carolina and Colonial Life Arena to take on the South Carolina Gamecocks this Saturday. Noah, who do you got? Man, as I put on my Tiger head that I definitely have in this studio, give me the Auburn Tigers. Daniel and I agree with you. We both are going with the Auburn Tigers, but that is going to do it for our show this week. We want to thank Noah for coming on again. If you want to check out Smooth Operators tomorrow at 1 p.m., Fridays, always Fridays at 1 p.m., feel free to stop by if you feel so inclined. Or, or if you want to check out WWEGL. Or WWEGL. Podcast uh, with Noah, Logan, and Daniel. But we'll see you again back, right back here next week, hopefully with Daniel, 11 a.m. on Thursdays. But for Noah Phillips, Daniel Locke, who's not here right now, I'm Greg Splankberg. This has been the Eagles Nest. We thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Have a great day, everyone, and War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week. <laughs>